All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is my scouting report of Falcons fourth round center, Drew Dolman out of Stanford. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP. Still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans. And, of course, the host of this preeminent Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Lockdown Falcons is my scouting report of the Falcons' second fourth round pick in Stanford center, Drew Dolman. And we'll get into Dolman's strengths, weaknesses, how he projects to the NFL. And we'll also compare him quite a bit. To Matt Hennessy, the Falcons third round pick from a year ago. But before we get into that, I do want to plug the Peacock and Williamson podcast, one of the national NFL shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can get insight from NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson on every game, every team and every move. And you can check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And probably there's a good potential that as you guys hear this episode on this fine Thursday morning or afternoon, that I will be making an appearance on Peacock and Williamson either this Thursday or this Friday. So even more reason to subscribe to it. But, um, you know, that being said, let's talk about Drew Dahlman and let's start things off talking a little bit about his background. His dad is Chris Dahlman, a former six round pick of the 49ers back in 1993, played seven seasons with the 49ers, then in 2000, Chris suffered a career-ending neck injury during training camp, got into coaching shortly thereafter, coaching as an assistant coach at his high school alma mater at Palma in Salinas, California. Then Jim Mora, the former Falcons head coach, brought him in as an assistant offensive line coach uh, to Atlanta in 2005 and 2006, serving under offensive line coach Jeff Jagosinski and then Tom Cable, respectively, with, of course, the great Alex Gibbs serving as a consultant for the offensive line in those years. And that was Dolman's only stint as an NFL coach. He went on to be an assistant at Stanford, coaching the offensive line under Jim Harbaugh the next two years before returning to the high school level at Palma, where he has been ever since, where he coached his son, Drew, who attended Palma and then followed in his dad's footsteps, attending Stanford. Drew went on to play start. I'm sorry, start 22 games across three years at Stanford, 20 at center two at right guard, notably back in 1999 and Chris Dolman's last years in San Francisco. They had this undrafted free agent offensive tackle out of East Carolina by the name of Dwayne Ledford. Ledford didn't last too long in the NFL, garnering one start across five NFL seasons before getting into coaching himself. And lo and behold, found himself as the current Atlanta Falcons offensive line coach, serendipity, as we call it. And, you know, I know Ledford has been open saying post-draft that his connections with Drew's dad weren't much of a factor in the Falcons evaluation process of Drew. Um, and he's probably correct in saying that, but let's just say probably didn't hurt Drew's chances uh, that maybe Dwayne Ledford does associate him with his dad, who was a very good starter for the 49ers in the late nineties. Drew wearing his dad's old number probably doesn't hurt enhance those associations either. And probably the main reason that Ledford likes Drew 
is not simply because of who his dad is, but because of his nastiness. If there is a theme in terms of the two offensive linemen that the Falcons drafted this year in Dolman and Jalen Mayfield, it's their ability to finish guys and get after guys playing to and potentially beyond the whistle. And so there's clearly a type that the Falcons at this 2021 draft class has to say anything in terms of what they like um, in offensive line prospects. And we can presumably expect that to be a continued theme in the future when it comes to offensive linemen that this team may evaluate. And I think that finishing ability stands out because I think it's the probably the biggest thing that separates Drew Dolman from Matt Hennessy, the player's that the Falcons drafted in round three last year to be their sort of heir apparent to Alex Mack. And now Drew Dolman comes in to potentially challenge that. You know, I think they're similar in a lot of ways that they're undersized guys that may struggle against power, but they're ideally suited to play in a outside zone running scheme, which is what the Falcons will employ this year under Dwayne Ledford and Arthur Smith. They're not exactly the same player. And I'll come out and say, up front that I think Drew Dolman is a tad bit better than Matt Hennessy, but I think in general, they're sort of from the same genre of player in terms of prospects. And you see the sort of the high level traits that you ideally want in an outside zone center, but you question if the size is going to hold them back from reaching their ceilings in the NFL. And I think one of the things I said in my scouting report of Matt Hennessy last year was that I felt like Hennessy came out in a weaker center class and arguably got drafted a half or full round earlier than he probably normally would have been in a typical center class. And I think, you know, you'll probably hear people and probably have heard people say like, well, Hennessy was a third round pick and Dolman's a fourth round pick. So Hennessy's clearly better. And I just wouldn't put too much stock into that statement. You know, I think Hennessy wound up being the second center taken in his draft class. And one wonders if Hennessy would have been in this draft class, would he have been taken ahead of Dolman, who was the sixth center taken in this draft class? And maybe Hennessy would have been the sixth or seventh, you know, fifth, sixth or seventh center taken this year as opposed to last year. And maybe Dolman would have been the second center taken a year ago had he been in that draft class, assuming that, you know, you could time travel. But, you know, obviously we have a, a potential battle brewing between those two guys. And they're sort of going to have to come in and duke it out to win the starting center spot in that vacated spot for Alex Mack. And we'll talk about Drew Dolman's strengths and weaknesses and compare and contrast in, in some ways him with Hennessy and how he stacks up against that player. And maybe that by the end of today's episode, you know, I'll be leaning one particular way on where I think that battle will be headed. But before we get there, guys, of course, I have to plug the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where, of course, the NBA playoffs are ongoing, including many of your beloved Atlanta Hawks. Check out the Lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland wherever you get your podcasts. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase and reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card. And if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. 
Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits do apply. Finding the right parts for your roster takes time and patience when it comes to this draft process, but it's not so hard to find the right parts for your vehicle because there's a simple place to do so. And that's of course, rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, motor oil, new carpet, brake parts, tail lamps. You could get anything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose by brand specification and price that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do it yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So in evaluating Drew Dolman, I watched about 65% of the six or so games that he played this last year in this truncated 2020 season. I did go back and watch a few of his starts in 2018 and 2019 to sort of monitor and evaluate his growth from previous years till now. And, you know, the main thing that jumps out to you with Drew Dolman is the athleticism. He played in a scheme at Stanford that was, you know, heavily outside zone based. So in terms of seeing the types of blocks that you want to see in a prospect, it's a clean, easy evaluation. He checks those boxes, whether it's making the reach blocks, climbing to the second level, being that heat seeking missile that we talk about taking out linebackers. Again, Dolman checks all those boxes. He's by no means the best in that regard that I've ever seen, but he's generally very good there. The only issue it comes to making those blocks in space for whatever reason, he was not nearly as effective on screen passes and he seemed a lot less adept hitting his assignments in those situations. But certainly I think he has the tools get the tools in the, in the skill set to get better there. You know, the other thing that stood out in a positive way was Drew Dolman's hand usage. And I think he benefits somewhat from having very large hands, 10 and a half inches, which I think is the 94th percentile for centers and 85th percentile for offensive linemen over the last 20 years. And while hand size isn't necessarily the end all be all, but it is something that I think like when you see it reflected on film, you're like, oh, okay, this means something, but it doesn't automatically mean, oh, a player can do this is the point I'm trying to make. But I think in Dolman's case, it is reflected in, in film because you're looking at sort of grip strength. It is meaning that like once a guy gets his hands on you, he can lock on and you're not going anywhere. And I think that's probably one of the things that does stand out with Dolman, that he does a really good job locking on, particularly in the run game. I re- if you can recall on my Hennessy scouting report a year ago, I talked about when it came to him in the running game and on making those blocks on the second level and being that sort of heat seeking missile, trying to take out linebackers that Hennessy didn't do a great job taking those linebackers out. And the analogy I use that if Hennessy's a missile, he's damaging the targets, not necessarily outright destroying them. And I think Dolman is much more likely to destroy his targets because of his ability to lock on and then finish that defender into the dirt. So I think Dolman's upside as a run blocker is a little bit higher than Hennessy's was. Now let's talk about a little bit of the concerns you have with Drew Dolman. First, you know, the one area where I do think Hennessy does outshine Dolman is in snapping. 
I noticed a couple of times watching in 2020 this past year that Dolman had some low snaps and that did lead to some issues for the Stanford offense. Now, I don't think it was a big issue uh, for Dolman. And from what I saw watching Hennessy a year ago, it was a non-issue for him. Um, but it is one of those things where you notice think, three or four times where he has a low snap and 280 plus snaps this past year that, you know, that's roughly 1% of the time. Um, and that's a similar ratio to what you saw with Mike person in 2015 on like 900 plus snaps. Um, but I'm sure as many a Falcon fan will tell you, like it was an issue, even if he snapping was good, you know, 98.5 to 99% of the time. And, you know, even though I said then when it came to Mike person, and I'll say it now with Drew Dolman, you know, I don't think it's going to make or break your offense, but potentially in a close roster battle, it could wind up being a tiebreaker. So I do think it's something to note that Drew Dolman will possibly have to improve upon, you know, but I think the main issue that you look at Drew Dolman's game is the same issue that you had with Matt Hennessy's game, which is his ability to hold up against power and size. Now the benefit of being a center versus playing any other position on the offensive line is that you get far less one-on-one blocking assignments, right? Typically you only have to really worry about a center going up one-on-one against a three, four, a classic three, four nose tackle. And, you know, I remember back in the day going way back with Todd McClure, you know, during his playing days, the heyday of his playing days in the early two thousands, most of the three, four teams in the NFL at that time were AFC teams. So it was like, if you're an AFC team, you needed an Alex Mack, a bigger, more physical center in order to be an effective offensive line. But you could get away with having a smaller, you know, 300 pounder like Todd McClure in the NFC and the Falcons for the most part were able to do so outside of the handful of sort of crossover games that they would have with the AFC. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily fly as much in today's because three, four teams are all over the place. And and frankly, most teams are running some version of like hybrid fronts. And you see that in the the Falcons own division in NFC South, where you have big time physical nose tackles like Vita Vey and Derek Brown. Obviously, the Falcons have plenty of three, four teams on their schedule this year, like Dallas and Washington and Giants, etc., so you're not going to be able to escape that issue if it is an issue in today's NFL like you could 10 to 15 years ago when Todd McClure was playing. And so I think the concern is, and that was the concern and is the concern with Matt Hennessy, I think it could cause problems for Drew Dahlman moving forward. Bigger, more physical defensive tackles, when they get those one-on-one situations against Dahlman, they could take advantage of him, push him around, really collapse the pocket. And that's not ideal, particularly with a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who needs that sort of clean pocket in order to step up into and have those clean throws. Now, ideally, you hope, okay, well, if he's going to struggle against Vea and, and Derek Brown, you know, outside of those four games that he gets a year, he'll be able to, you know, be functional in that regard. But that's a big question mark. And if he can, then you, it's not a major concern outside of the divisional games. Um, but you know, you wonder if those sort of top shelf power pigs, as they're often called, are going to give a guy like Drew Dahlman significant problems and whether or not he's going to be able to hold his own against the rest of the guys that he faces. So it's a concern. And I think it also limits his potential as a guard, um, which is the same issue we talked about a year ago with Matt Hennessy, not projecting well there. But I do think Dolman might project a little bit better as a guard and be a little bit closer to being functional as a guard than in comparison to Matt Hennessy, because it goes back to the athleticism and it's not just that ability to, you know, 
move in space that you're looking for in the run game. But when it comes to how his athleticism and particularly his hand usage applies in pass protection, you know, I think I, the thing I noticed with Dahlman watching the film is he has a similar thing that Jake Matthews and Matt Gano have that I've talked about in the past, which is that athleticism to recover and reset, right? It's that they might get knocked back upon initial contact by the defender, but they're able to sort of recoil those hips, reset their hands, and they have the sort of physical flexibility that actually gives them actual flexibility when it comes to patch protection because essentially they're getting two bites at the apple with every rep because if their technique doesn't necessarily have to be perfect because they can reset, right? And they can get a second opportunity uh, upon that initial contact. And I didn't really see that with Hennessy when I evaluated him a year ago. And certainly in his limited opportunities that he played in 2020, you didn't necessarily see that. If he got beat off the initial, uh, you know, contact, the initial move, he got beat last year in his limited opportunities. So we'll, we'll have to sort of see how that goes. And that notion, you know, that with Jake Matthews and Matt Gano in, in particular, because those are two guys that aren't necessarily known for their power, Right. And from time to time, they will get pushed around by power rushes. We've seen that the last couple of years. And obviously, we don't have as big a sample size with Matt Gano. But for the most part, Jake Matthews, we do. And for the most part, even though we see from time to time, Jake lose some, have some rough outings against more powerful pass rushers. For the most part, looking at his entire body of work, he more has more good. The good far outweighs the bad when it comes to his ability as a pass protector. I feel like similarly to Jake Matthews and Matt Gano, like that ability to get pushed around initially is problematic, but I think those guys have the ability to recover. And I think maybe for Drew Dolman, like it is with Jake Matthews and Matt Gano, his issues in pass protection may not be as problematic for him as it would be for a similar player in Matt Hennessy who may not have that ability to sort of reset and recover. So with that being said, we'll move on and wrap up today's episode by talking about Drew Dolman's floor, his ceiling, and then his eye level in terms of giving us NFL player comparisons on sort of projecting what type of career and season Drew Dolman's will have in the coming years. But before we get there, guys, you know, already plugged the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, but I got to give love to the MLB side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite Major League Baseball team, including the Atlanta Braves. Check a Locked On Braves podcast out on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcasts. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, and it gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like the month of June to get started at BetOnline. The NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, the French Open have already started. You got the final leg of the Triple Crown, the Belmont, later this week. And of course, baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. And it's not just sports. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit 200 bucks, you get a hundred bucks and free money to play with by using that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus bet online, your online sports book experts. So we are talking about the floor ceiling and eye level. And if you're unfamiliar with what these terms mean to me, 
a floor is what a player is tomorrow. So if we had to play an NFL game tomorrow, this is what I think Drew Dolman is going to be. Ceiling, obviously, is where I think his maximum potential, if all things go well for him, this is where the player I think he could potentially be. And then the eye level is the halfway point between those two points where the probability is much higher that he will wind up coming closer to hitting that eye level than it is necessarily um, reaching that ceiling, so to speak. Um, so for me, the floor for Drew Dolman is Mason Cole, the third round pick out of Michigan in 2018 with the Cardinals. He started as a rookie with the Cardinals when their starting center, AQ Shipley got hurt. Then Shipley came back in 2019. Cole became backup. Then Shipley was allowed to walk in free agency in 2020. And then Cole got the chance to be his replacement as a starter. And in both years as a starter in 2018, as well as 2020 was not very effective as a starter. And then that prompted the Cardinals to go out there and acquire Rodney Hudson, arguably the best center in the league, and then traded Mason Cole to the Vikings this past off season for a six round pick. And that for me is the starting point for Drew Dolman. You know, similarly, if he was forced to start, as a rookie, I could see a scenario where he struggles similar to Mason Cole. You know, Cole struggled in pass protection, especially early in his rookie season over the first four or five games with the Cardinals in 2018. And then you look at the Falcons 2021 schedule and coming out of the gates, he's got Javon Hargrave in week one, Vita Vea week two, Danny Shelton week three, Deron Payne week four. So it's not a easy lineup to sort of ease your way into the NFL if you're Drew Dolman and especially if you're struggle against more powerful nose tackles. Um, you know, I think the issue with Dolman dealing, handling size could be a problem for him coming out of the gates, uh, similar to what we saw with Cole, uh, back in 2018. And, you know, even this past year, you didn't see the growth from Mason Cole, um, with his second year as, as a full-time starter, as he was remained one of the least effective pass protecting centers in the NFL based off of pro football focus grades in large part due to that inability to deal with sort of size and quickness. And, you know, you wonder similarly with John Dolman, similar to Colin, given a couple of years of development in Arizona, if he doesn't necessarily show that growth that you're looking for, would the Falcons be in a similar situation like the Cardinals were looking to upgrade that spot with one of the top centers in the league, like the Cardinals did with Rodney Hudson, because they weren't willing to sort of roll with a, a guy that is continually a subpar starter. And so I think, you know, Dolman certainly has the potential to overcome that floor and be better than that floor. Um, but it wouldn't completely shock me if that's sort of what we're seeing where we're on a similar timescale of two or three years where it's like, okay, now we got to, we really got to, you know, fix the center position a couple of years down the road. So, you know, I, I think Dolman certainly has the ability to overcome that and looking at his ceiling, you know, the players I picked, uh, were David Andrews, uh, who the Falcons were interested in, or at least rumored to be looking at in free agency this past year before he ultimately re-signed with the Patriots. Andrews was originally an undrafted free agent out of Georgia back in 2015, started as a rookie for the Patriots, was pretty solid um, that year, in large part, right, he was a starter as a rookie, similar to Cole, where it was due to an injury to incumbent starting center Brian Stork, who was a fourth-round pick the previous year, and Stork got hurt, you know, had some concussion issues that forced Andrews into the lineup his rookie year, and Andrews did a solid job, then Stork sort of re-won his starting job back by the end of the season, but didn't necessarily be 
impressed all that much coupled with his injury issues. Uh, you know, I read an article or two where Stork got into a couple of fights the following summer when he was competing with Andrews for that starting center spot and didn't have the same level of consistency that they wanted with Andrews and coupled with the sort of concussion issues um, that led to the Patriots, you know, rolling with Andrews. They tried to trade Stork that summer. He failed his physical with Washington because I, I believe the concussion things and then wound up retiring, never played another down in the NFL. And I think now he's like an assistant coach in college or whatever the case may be. And Andrews, meanwhile, never looked back and has been one of the above average to good centers in the NFL in large part, thanks to being coached by the, the greatest offensive line coach uh, in Dante Scarnecchia. We talked about Alex Gibb earlier. If there's two assistant offensive line coaches deserving of being in the hall of fame, it's Alex Gibbs and Dante Scarnecchia. Um, you know, while I won't necessarily put those same expectations on Dwayne Ledford, he certainly has a good reputation, but I'm not going to expect him to be able to coach up guys in the same way that Skarnakia did many, many times over, you know, multiple decades in New England. Um, but Andrew's similar to uh, Dahlman is a guy that is doesn't have the greatest size and you see that show up from time to time, but for the most part gets by because he's a smart, he's an athletic center, he's able to overcome that issue, has that similar mean streak that Dolman has, he's not going to create a ton of push, but you know, I think some of it is owed to the fact that the Patriots have routinely put good guards around David Andrews. So he doesn't necessarily need that with guys like Shaq Mason and Joe Tooney in recent years. And so, you know, the better guards that you have around your center, if he's not going to sort of be that one-on-one pile mover, you know, if you have guards that can do that a little bit better than he can, then that sort of makes up for that deficiency there. You know, the main issue with Andrews in his NFL career has been injuries similar to Stork, where he had some blood clots in 2019 that caused him to miss that entire season that put his career back in jeopardy. But he did come back this past year in 2020 and played pretty well. He's not an elite center, but consistently grades out in the top 10 to 15 centers in the NFL. It's above average, a good starter. And I kind of think that's where Dolman's ceiling is. He's not going to be an elite guy, but he certainly should be an above average to good center, has some limitations. But for the most part, you know, they're not going to show up too often. He's not going to be a dominant player, but he's going to be a solid player. Now I mentioned sort of the players I looked at his ceiling and there was another player that I was very tempted to compare um, Dolman to and use as his ceiling was Corey Lindsley. And the main reason I didn't is because this past year, Corey Lindsley was pro football focus his highest graded center. And even though for the previous five or six years that he was a starter in green Bay, Lindsley graded out much more similarly to a player like Andrews as a top 10 to 15 guy, a good, but not great center. But I didn't want to know to put those expectations on Dolman and, and compare him to what was at least this past year, the best center in, in the NFL and, and have those expectations wind up people thinking, Oh, this guy has the potential to be one of the best, you know, the best center in the NFL. And then we saw with Lindsley that took like, until year seven for him. And we saw similarly with Alex Mack where in 2016, that was his eighth NFL season. So it's possible. I, I certainly would not dismiss it that, you know, seven or eight years down the road, you know, Drew Dolman might be considered one of the best centers in the NFL, but you know, we're, we're a very long way away from that. And you need to have several solid years, um, you know, to put together prior to that, where you would feel like that's, a possibility. So for me trying to find that eye level, that halfway point between his floor and his ceiling, the player I wound up settling on was Austin Blythe, um, who is 
currently in the mix to start for the Chiefs at the center spot, formerly with the LA Rams. Blythe was originally a seventh round pick with the Colts in 2016. Early in his career, he was sort of cross trained as a guard and center. Um, was cut after one year by the Colts, scooped up by the Rams, saw some reps early on, similar to what he did as a rookie with Indianapolis, playing both center and guard. Then in 2018, Jamon Brown, you guys might be familiar with him, got suspended and Blythe got the bulk of the reps in Brown's stead and played so well for the, for the Rams that year that the Rams decided, okay, well, we don't need Jamon Brown anymore. He wound up um, going to the Giants to finish that 20. 20- 18 season. And then I, I forget where he landed in 2019, but I don't know. Um, you know, Blythe had a solid 2018, even though like these other guys that we're talking about, he was an undersized guy, had some limitations of pass protection, but really was not any more limited than what Jamon Brown, even though Brown, you know, probably has like 40 pounds on him. Wasn't any more less effective or uh, than um, Brown was the previous year before replacing him. But then 2019 happened for the Rams offensive line and they had a bunch of injuries and they were constantly moving guys in and out. And then they switched Brown. I mean, I'm sorry, Blythe midseason from the right guard spot that he had manned to the center spot, which was his collegiate position at Iowa. And, you know, you guys, I'm sure, can recall the narrative a year ago that when the Falcons picked up, oh, you know, this guy by the name of Todd Gurley, and a lot of people wanted to believe that Todd Gurley was due for a big rebound season. And a lot of the reasons why they felt that way is because they blamed his lack of production in 2019 to the how horrid the Rams offensive line was. And it was a bad offensive line. And, you know, Bly didn't do much to sort of help that regard. But this past year, he's he remained as the center and had a nice bounce back solid year. He graded out as pro football Focus's 13th highest graded center. Signs with the Chiefs this past offseason in their offensive line revamp to sort of upgrade over Austin Ryder. And now he's set to compete with their second round pick in Creed Humphrey and Bly signed a one year deal. And you imagine because of the uh, value the Chiefs put in Humphrey, Humphrey will probably be their long term solution and probably win that starting job this year. But I wouldn't necessarily count um, Blythe out completely. You know, I'm I'm also infamously, I guess, not a huge Creed Humphrey guy. So I wouldn't necessarily be totally shocked if Blythe wound up starting for the Chiefs week one, but we'll see how that goes. And I think ultimately where Blythe is as a player, where I think Drew Dolman will ultimately be in terms of his eye level is a serviceable, you know, to good starting NFL center. And Blythe was a better fit as a center than a guard due to those issues that we've talked about already with Dolman and other players in terms of not having the size to really hold up in pass protection, ideally like you want in a guard. And and Dolman does have some experience playing guard. had the two starts in 2018. And as you would expect, at least watching one of those starts uh, from that year, he did have some struggles against Oregon and the power that they had at some of those D tackle positions. But I do think, as I mentioned earlier, he'll probably hold up a little bit better than Hennessy, but I don't think that's in, in Dolman's case going to be his long-term position and similar to Blythe, you know, you might start him for a year or so at that spot, but feel like you can do a much better job um, at that spot. And really ideally the center position. And unlike the Rams who had a longtime veteran like John Sullivan at that center spot. And of course, you know, that's one of the reasons why they didn't move Blythe to that spot until after Sullivan left. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like 
the situation the Rams found themselves in with Austin Blythe is similar to the situation the Falcons had with Ben Garland a couple of years ago in 2017 and 2018, where they had to play Garland as their guard for due to injuries and whatnot. And Garland was okay, but like, you know, was very up and down in that time frame. And there were certainly some very rough games for Garland where his limitations got exposed, but somewhat, uh, was able to compensate with really good run blocking being that sort of heat seeking missile in the Falcons outside zone run scheme that they, uh, continued to run in those years. And I feel like Dolman would be destined for a similar thing where it's like, you can get by with that. And we've seen it in last year's the, with, uh, Garland being in San Francisco, you know, he's been a much more effective starting center, uh, filling in for Weston Richburg these last two years. And he was a starting center on that Super Bowl team a couple of years ago. And, like Blythe, like Garland, you know, you're not going to necessarily look at those guys at center and be like, oh, these are long-term solutions as we've seen with the, the Rams and, and, and now the Chiefs. Neither one of those teams have been willing to commit long-term to Blythe and, and Garland has not, you know, obviously the 49ers went out and signed Alex Mack, right? They went out and, and, and got Weston Richburg. And so they saw Garland more as a good backup than necessarily a high-level starter. And you could argue that the Chiefs presumably see the same thing with Austin Blythe. And that may be what Drew Doman ultimately winds up being, you know, serviceable to good if he winds up being a starter, um, but may or may widely be considered more of a high level backup than necessarily a high level starter. And so getting to the final point, if you were asking me today, who I would feel who I would be willing to bet on starting more games for the Falcons at the center position over the next three years between Drew Dahlman and Matt Hennessy, I would probably bet money on Drew Dahlman. But again, it gets back to the point we're talking about where I don't know if after that three year period of time, you're going to feel like, Oh, this Drew Dahlman guys, when we get, when we get to his second contract, you know, in 2024, 2025, are you going to feel compelled to be like, yo, this is going to be the guy that, is going to be our long-term solution. I don't know if Drew Dolman's going to be that player. I think he can be, um, you know, but I, I feel comfortable. I feel confident projecting him as a stopgap option for the center position, but I don't feel as confident projecting him in the same way of a Corey Lindsley or even a Todd McClure, who was a similar player, but wound up starting for 13 years here in Atlanta. Um, but like, I wonder for me, a lot of it may be, and this is the thing that I'm interested in whether my bias is making me feel a lot more optimistic about Drew Dolman because I'm not, I'm much more pessimistic about Jalen Mayfield. And I wonder like, is that my brain trying to compensate and being like, do I really like Drew Dolman or do I just like him in comparison a lot more than I like Jalen Mayfield? And so that's one of the interesting things that I, I'm curious to sort of see if three years from now we're looking back at this and like, yeah, I was probably a little too high on Drew Dahlman. And that was because I was so low on Jalen Mayfield. And I just wanted to be high on a Falcons offensive lineman. Um, And that's sort of my bias coming out. Or if we look back and say like, no, legitimately you had every reason to be high on Drew Dahlman because he far exceeds his eye level and is on that sort of Corey Lindsley, David Andrews path to become one of the better centers in the NFL three years from now. And so obviously time will tell, we don't know the answer to that. You know, obviously the part of this process is to have a range of expectations. And, you know, as we go through preseason this year, and then we see what growth Dalman shows between year one and year two, assuming 
he isn't the starter and we see what growth he has during the regular season, you know, we'll have to adjust our expectations accordingly, you know, up or down and like, Oh, well, Dalman came out and played much better. You know, that floor of Mason Cole was too low, or maybe there's a chance that that floor of Mason Cole might be a little too high on, on Drew Dalman. Um, so, you know, we'll just adjust according and that's just the nature of the beast. But, you know, I think Dalman is a good player. You know, I don't know if he is massively better than Matt Hennessy, but I do think he is better than Matt Hennessy. And I would sit here and say that while I'm not necessarily convinced that he'll be the week one starter, I think, you know, going into coming out of the draft, I was like, oh, there's probably like a 65% chance that Hennessy starts and a 35% chance that Drew Dolman starts. Now I kind of feel like it's closer to 50 50. And sort of the thing that will determine, you know, who wins the job kind of will be dependent on like who's healthy this summer. Like it's those things that can kind of be the difference between a guy winning or or losing a job where it's like, Oh, you tweak your ankle and you miss a week of practice. That's going to give an edge to the other guy. So like, I feel like now going into the summer, it's, it's much more 50 50 having sat down and watched more of drew Doman than I did immediately, you know, draft weekend. So it's kind of a toss up. It's kind of a coin flip for me at this point in time. And I'll be curious to see, you know, who wins that job. Um, and, um, you know, that's it for today's scattering report on Drew Dolman. We still have what four more guys left to, to evaluate and we'll get to those guys in the, in the coming weeks. Um, but, uh, before we get into that, I do want to plug the locked on today podcast. You know, I got you covered on all things, Atlanta Falcons, who's got you covered for the rest of sports. And there's so many sports going on right now. And that's of course the locked on today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. He's got all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the locked on today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So guys, there's, there you have it with you, Dolman. You know, I think there's a lot of similarities between him and Matt Hennessy. But again, I think it's kind of a toss up between who wins that starting job. I feel like Dolman's the better player, but, you know, it's tough to come in and, and, and be that, you know, opening day starter as a rookie. You, you don't see that very often. It's usually circumstances that prompt, as I mentioned with guys like Mason Cole and David Andrews, like they came in and started because guys got hurt. Right. So we'll see. We'll see how that, that plays out. Um, but, uh, tomorrow's episode will be a Q and a episode. So if you're looking to submit questions to be answered on tomorrow's episode, of course you can do so via Twitter at locked on Falcons via Facebook at locked on Falcons, or you can send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it guys. Until then.